glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Stay with me if you would, please. Leviticus chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, then shall the priest command to take for him, that is to be cleansed, two birds alive and clean, and cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, and the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and shall dip them, and the living bird, in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that he shall come into the camp, and shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. But it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head, and his beard, and his eyebrows, even all his hair, he shall shave off, and he shall wash his clothes. Also he shall wash his flesh in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two he lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, and three tenth deals of fine flour for a meat offering, mingled with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest that maketh him clean shall present the man that is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall take one he lamb and offer him for a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall slay the lamb in the place where he shall kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering, it is most holy. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord." Uh, verse 17, of the rest of the oil that is in his hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot upon the blood of the trespass offering and the remnant of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall pour upon, upon the head of him that is to be cleansed and the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord. And the priest shall offer the sin offering and make an atonement for him that is to be cleansed from his uncleanness and Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the meat offering upon the altar. And the priest shall make an atonement for him, and he shall be clean. Thank you. you. may be seated. As I said, verse 21 begins, And if he be poor, I mean, if he couldn't afford the lambs, he couldn't afford all of that flour, he had some options. He could use one-tenth deal of flour and two turtle doves or pigeons instead of the lambs. He still needed at least one lamb. It's very interesting, and there's much that could be said about God's ways. Why would God require this? I want to just put, just by way of introduction, something that was an afterthought 
for me in preparing for this message and just kind of want to put this out here. You think about human nature, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier about if you thought you had leprosy, there'd be a temptation not to go show the priest, certainly. There's a lot of people today that aren't intending to sit under Bible preaching anywhere, anytime, any place because they know they're diseased and they don't want a diagnosis. Let me just think I'm okay spiritually. As long as my body is okay, I'll pretend my soul is okay. And I don't want around anything to do with God because he might diagnose me. True? The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God lays us wide open and helps us know what God sees. I'm glad this morning that everybody else doesn't get to see what God sees, but we must be reminded God sees. And many times people avoid the things of God for the same reason a man with leprosy might avoid a priest. How about this, though? You've been diagnosed with leprosy and you want your life back. One of the things I hear most often in dealing with men that are inside our, our legal system, our in, they are incarcerated, is I want to turn my life around I just want to live a normal life. If you've dealt anyway with, in any way, shape, or form with men who get into a pattern of being in and out of the criminal justice system, that becomes their life. They cannot get established, and I'm not making them out to be victims. Don't misunderstand me. But there's a point where their dream is just to work a job, have a family, and live a normal life. And they pursue that but they aren't willing to pursue that without the thing that put them in the jail in the first place many times. And because leprosy is like sin, if you had leprosy, you're no longer allowed to live in your home. You have to live outside the camp with all the other lepers. You're not allowed to live in your tent. You might spread the disease. And so you were put out in a leper colony, you might say. If you were near anybody else, you had to cry, unclean, unclean. You were ostracized. You are the off-scouring of society now you really probably would want your life back and it'd be easy to go and just say, I'm clean. But God said, not so quick. There's as much of a system for proclaiming that you're clean as there was for proclaiming you're unclean. We all understand somebody might do this. He's got leprosy. Put him out in the camp because you want his land and you don't want him nearby, right? No, no. God established a law for the determination of are you unclean and are you clean because... Human nature knows how to utilize systems for self-promotion, right? So God says, no, this is the process to determine if a man has leprosy. This is the process that must be in place to determine if he's clean. So if he says, I'm clean, then somebody's going to say, well, that's wonderful, but you're not welcome back into the camp until we hear that from the priest. And when he says you're clean and you don't have any hair on your head and no eyebrows on your face and you come in with a red dot on your ear, on your thumb and your toe, then we'll take you back. But not until then. Because somebody would be more than happy to spread their leprosy if they could just get their life back. You with me? Spiritually, all these things apply. Sin does to the soul what leprosy does to the body. It spots you. It spots your conscience. It, it, it sullies your ability to function in a normal way. It ostracizes you eventually. Once man finds out what you've got... It puts you out here outside the camp. There was only one thing. Number one, the man had to actually be clean. I only find a a cup. I'm thinking only of a few instances in the Old Testament where someone had leprosy and then they got well. 
So Moses, God told him, he said, put your hand inside your bosom and pull it out again. It was leprous. He said, put it back again. It's clean. That's to tell us God has the power to heal. Amen? Is the power to disease. Is the power to heal. Uh, we know Miriam got leprosy. She was immediately white as snow because of her speaking against Moses and joining Aaron and doing that. And God healed her, but she still had to be outside the camp for seven days to fulfill the, the, the law here. We know that Naaman, the Syrian, the Gentile captain, got leprosy. And after dipping in seven times in the Jordan River, according to the word of God, he came out and his flesh was like that of a baby. God healed him completely. What I'm saying is the only accounts I think of in my mind, and I may have missed something in the Old Testament where someone had leprosy and actually verifiably got well, it took a miracle. We would call it an incurable disease. The law insinuates it's not incurable. But the only instances we have of it being cured is God doing a miracle. That's why leprosy is a picture and a type of sin. You will not and I will not conquer sin in our lives through self-determination. The law of sin and death is a law. There's not any person here exempt from that law. And it takes a miracle to overcome the law of sin that's in our members. Meaning, we are bound by the law of sin and death to sin and die. Unless we're made free by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's why leprosy is such a tremendous type of sin. In the New Testament, the Lord Jesus healed numerous lepers. We dealt with one some few weeks ago in preaching on the leper on Sunday morning there in Mark 1. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be thou clean. And by a miracle of God in the flesh, he was made clean. We know there were ten lepers at one time. I believe that's in Luke chapter 17. Cured at one time. Ten of them at once. One of them is Samaritan. Came back and gave the Lord Jesus thanks. So that we know in the New Testament there are records of people having leprosy. But again, the only record we have is a miracle taking place. Thankfully today there's medicine that helps that, but there are still leper colonies in different parts of the third world countries uh, today where people are are living with leprosy and, uh, and, and, and it's not perhaps the same strain that was in the Bible because it doesn't seem to be as deadly in our time. Nonetheless, the typology of leprosy in the Bible is so clear and well established. What we have in Le- Leviticus 14 is if a leper has been cleansed, this is what he must do. That's why you'll find Jesus in Mark 1, after healing the leper, saying, go to the priest and take the things for your offering that are required by the law. He was supposed to go there and either take three lambs and three-tenth deals of flour and be declared clean and go through this process because they were still under the law during the Lord Jesus' ministry. Now, the man never did it. He went out and spread abroad what Jesus had done for him. But the point was he was clean. The priest, Jesus Christ, had declared him clean. But he said, you go, you show yourself to the Levitical priest and do what the law requires. And so that's what would be referenced there in the New Testament. And so we come here. Here's the protocol according to God's law if a leper has been made clean. We'll give three things this morning out of this text, these 20 verses, about the leper that will correlate to salvation, what took place here physically and is portrayed in this physical ceremony is just for that reason, for a type, a shadow, to be a metaphor, if you would, of what it looks like. God wants us to understand when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died for your sins and you put your faith and trust in Him as the living Savior, this is what He did for you. And He wants us to understand what that looks like and how that should play out in our lives. And this this ceremony gives us a picture of spiritually what took place and what should take place in the life of a person who's been cleansed of sin. Amen? 
cleansed of leprosy. Verses 1 through 3, the first thing we see about this leper on the day of his cleansing. That's the title of the message, the day of his cleansing. In the day of his cleansing, the first thing is his presentation. He has to be presented to the priest. Verse 1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This should be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be, what's the next word? Brought. Now, don't miss this. We mentioned earlier, we have a missions conference. If you hear the word missions in the biblical context, you should immediately think winning souls to faith in Christ. That's our mission, to preach the gospel to unbelievers, to see them persuaded that it's true because it is, and thereby to receive eternal life and then become his disciple in obedience to him. Yeah, but you say, what does this have to do with this? This shall be the law of the leper, and the day of his cleansing he shall be brought unto the priest. Somebody, not the priest, somebody's going to have to love this man enough who's not a leper themselves to have contact and say, you're clean now, got to go to the priest. You remember Jesus in Mark 1, the Bible says when the leper says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. And he touched him and said, I will be thou clean. Someone was going to have to be a mediator to get the leper to the priest so that he could be presented. May I say this? The Lord Jesus Christ said, isn't he the priest? Of course he is. Are we not his servants? Are we not, if you're saved this morning, and especially this church, we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, his hands, his feet. So as he reaches out and touches lepers, saying, I will be thou clean, he's going to touch them through us. Right? Amen. And so then, the point is, this leper had to be brought unto the priest. Someone had to say, you got to see the priest. But then the Bible says, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp. This question, did the priest go to the leper or the leper go to the priest? I mean, it says somebody's supposed to bring him to the priest, but the priest is to go forth unto him outside of the camp. The leper is not allowed to live in the camp with everybody else. When the Bible says two things that seem to be contradictory, just know it means both of them. It's a good example. He was to be brought out to the priest, and as he is brought in the camp to a location, the priest would agree to leave the camp and meet the leper at that location. Did our Lord and Savior not leave heaven to come meet lepers? Did he not? The Bible says, uh, let this mind be in you, Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name so on and so forth the point is the Lord Jesus prior to his incarnation as a babe in Bethlehem was in heaven as the very son of God and it it behooved him he took upon him the form of a servant was found in fashion as a man why he left the place of holiness to come to a place of unholiness that he might make people clean that today we have a false gospel. I I don't want to preach long on this because I want our emphasis to be here. But there's a false gospel that instead of saying God is cleansing sinners, that is saying God is unclean like us. No, 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 no. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to cleanse us, to purify us. There's a mockery today. There are those that refer to the purity culture. I don't know if you've heard that term used in a derogatory sense. I don't want to be part of the purity culture, meaning there are people promoting a life of purity that this crowd has decided that's not possible. You can't look. Christ came to cleanse sinners. 
So here's the point. The man that's a leper that's been in the day of his cleansing, he says, you know what? I, I don't have leprosy anymore. Well, that's got to be determined by the word of the priest. You're going to have to be brought to the priest and presented to him. You can't declare yourself clean. You with me? Someone can't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm not a sinner anymore. No, it's the word of God that's going to declare that. Not you and I. Who can say, Proverbs says, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. No one can self-cleanse. No one can declare himself clean. You have to have the word of God. If you're here this morning and you know you're saved, you know what makes you know it? Not your emotions, not your feelings, not your perfection. What makes you know it is the promises of this book. If you know you're saved this morning, you know it because of the word of your great high priest who said, thou art clean. <laughs> Amen? Say, so, well, I don't know that. Then today you ought to ponder why you don't know it. It's possible to be saved and doubt it, but it's possible to think you're saved and not be. And today the word of God ought to comfort your heart. You know what? I'm not trusting me. Uh, for cleansing, I've trusted Christ. And so the, the first thing the leper had to do is be presented to the, tree, the priest. There was a prerequisite. He had to be brought to the priest. Someone had to advocate for him and bring him to the priest and say, here's someone who's been cleansed. I can't help but think that whoever that person is that brought him, they, we don't know their name. They're just a generic here in this text. But that's like you and me. We're like the person that says, hey, let's bring someone to Christ for cleansing. Okay, the prerequisite. Number two, the person to be presented to was the priest. We know that we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our, our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The priest, a picture there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw on Thursday night, the Lord Jesus has eyes that are as a flame of fire and feet like brass. It is his it is his eyes that are, we, are, we are concerned about. There are too many people today that think they're saved because all their neighbors like them. Your neighbors liking you don't make you righteous. What does Jesus Christ see? That's what determines whether or not you're righteous. Not what man sees. So it says, right, so I can live like the devil, and if people think I'm a this or that, it don't matter. No, that, that's just not what we're talking about. Now everybody knows you're a devil, God and man. What we want is God knowing that's one of my children and then that's worked out so that people can see something happened to that fella. He's not the same. And so this morning, you had to be presented to the priest. That person is a, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who is it, is it is what his eyes see that matter, not what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so we can clean up the outer man, look squeaky clean. I, I, don't, I don't often use any kind of a television show for an example, but I do remember years ago watching an Andy Griffith show and it was determined that Ernest T. Bass needed to be transformed. Anybody ever seen that one? If you haven't, that's okay. So what the decision was, buy him a suit and teach him to say certain phrases and we'll transform Ernest. He'll quit throwing rocks through windows and you know, kidnapping ladies and all these things that Ernest T. Bass did. They put a suit on him. Boy, he cleaned up nice. They taught him to say certain phrases, and he knew how to say them. But Ernest was still Ernest. In a suit with his new phrases, he still hoisted somebody and kidnapped him and then got mad and broke something, right? You say, oh, that's silly. Well, it is silly. That's what false religion does. Put a nice outward glow on somebody, teach them to say certain phrases, and there you go. No, no, no. It takes a change of heart. We must be born 
Again, you have to be given a new nature. And so here we know leprosy was a disease that is born in, like any other disease. It's a pathogen in your blood that manifests itself in your flesh. You know what? You and I have sinful blood inherited from Adam. And I don't mean that th- through physical blood we got... I'm just saying, sin is in our bloodline. It's in our nature. And by that, we are sinful. And you know what? The sinful nature on the inside of us shows up on the outside of us just like leprosy. If you had leprosy, you know what would happen? I don't want to say a whole lot about it. But the truth is, if you've ever had a a bandage and a sore that was bandaged and you didn't change your bandage soon enough, you're going to want to do like this. Rotting flesh does not smell good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. Then most people, if we were to characterize sin, we'd say, well, it's like a piece of candy that's a little sour at first. No, no. Sin is like stage four liver cancer. Sin is like leprosy that eats you up one little sore at a time until it devours you and you're gone. We don't have God's perspective on sin. Not generally. If we did, we'd hate it. Oh, we'd abhor it as he does. By the way, that's what we're supposed to do. We're to abhor that which is evil. And so here, leprosy, be presented to the priest. And upon his presentation, there was a place. And the place was outside the camp. How many of you know that the Bible tells us Jesus suffered outside the camp? He went out where all the uncleanness was. He suffered outside of Jerusalem, out there where you put criminals. He was hanged with the worst of society. He suffered outside the camp. You know what that priest had to do? Someone said, priest, where are you going? He said, I'm headed out toward the leper colony. You going in there? No, but I'm not, I'm not going in, in there, but the leper can't come in the camp until we've determined if he's been cleansed. He went outside the camp, as Hebrews refers to Jesus dying outside of the camp. Luke 19.10, after Jesus saved Nick, uh, Zach, uh, uh, Zacchaeus, after coming down from the tree, he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, Paul said. So the presentation to the priest is a picture of how we are brought to Christ and Christ is the one who determines and declares and, and pronounces our being clean through his word. Number two, we see his purification. Now, the assumption here is the man is healed. The miracle of cleansing has taken place. But it's verified by the word of the priest. He has to be brought to the priest. The priest has to look on him and determine that it's not a feigned cleansing, but it's genuine, and the priest does that. Now, verse 4, the Bible says, let's go back to verse 3, and the priest shall go forth out of the camp, and the priest shall look, and here it is, and behold, if the plague of leprosy be healed in the leper, meaning if it's true, the, the plague is gone, a miracle has taken place, he's not anymore plagued, Then the priest, once the priest is determined, yes, he's truly been cleansed, then the priest, uh, then shall the priest command to take for him that is to be cleansed two birds alive and clean and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and shall dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird loose into the open field. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off his, all his hair 
and wash himself in water that he may be clean. Notice how many times that he may be clean, that he may be clean, meaning we are declaring you are no longer a leper. How many understand this? The Bible says if the priests look on him and the plague of the leprosy is gone, then this is what happens. So is this, is this ceremony taking the leprosy away or declaring that the leprosy is gone? Think this through with me. Is it actually taking the leprosy away? If it was, every leper in the world would be getting two birds. No, this is the miracle that no one can explain. The Bible, the law never tells how to get rid of leprosy. Only if, if the man is cleansed, this is what you do, that he may be clean. So that he is now ceremonially clean and able to go back into the camp. So he's to shave off his hair and bathe himself in water, wash his clothes, do all that in verse 8. Verse 9, it should be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair he shall shave off and he shall wash his clothes and he shall uh, shall wash his flesh in water and he shall be clean. And then verse 10 opens up a new section of of requirement. Say, what does all this have to do with? Let's begin in verses 4 through 7 with the picture that we see in the substitution here. There's two birds, okay? So the Bible says, if the priest says, yes, he no longer has the plague of leprosy, it's gone. Then he gets two birds, and he brings them, and he gets a piece of cedar wood and scarlet and the hyssop. Now, hyssop was a plant like an herb. It's the same plant that was used to apply the blood on the doorposts of the Passover lamb. They said you'd get a piece of hyssop and dip it in the blood of the lamb and apply that on the doorpost. My understanding, and I, I won't preach this as doctrine, but my understanding, if you, you have some understanding of hyssop, is it had a nice odor to it, so it is counteracting, or it is a picture that the stench of sin is being cared for, taken care of. And so whatever it means, hyssop was the brush that was used. It was common. There was hyssop, I suppose, as I understand, readily available to cut. Cedar wood, not so readily available. But how many, what would you say is the one thing that stands out to you about cedar wood? It's durable. Meaning the rot that is common is not here in this piece of wood. All of this very symbolic. And so the cedar wood and the hyssop, and, and then he's to have water and scarlet. And of course, scarlet, a picture of sin. If you looked on an open sore, the, the color would be scarlet. Oh, Isaiah 1 verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be. As white as snow. I can't help but believe that's a reference back to Leviticus 13 where the Bible says if someone has open flesh, they have leprosy. If, the, if it's eating at the skin and it's open flesh, it's that scarlet color. But if it turns white, if that scarlet turns white, you know they're, they're, they're whole of their disease. And so you have the scarlet, the hyssop, the cedar wood. We won't say much more about that. But what we do want to say something about is these two birds. The first bird was to be selected and killed, and the Bible uses the terminology of the Holy Spirit of God in an earthen vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, meaning a vessel of clay, a pottery vessel. They were to take that bird and put it inside that earthen vessel. I can't help but imagine that everything was crushed. Kill that bird. You know what God did? He came to us in an earthen vessel. And that earthen vessel was broken on Calvary's cross. He he shed his blood on Calvary's cross in our place. And there is a picture being taken and formed. And you'll see it once we get through the ceremony of his cleansing. You'll see the picture that's painted of the gospel. Uh, You know where a bird comes from? It comes down out of heaven, does it not? 
It comes down out of heaven. It flies down. Even as our Lord descended from heaven, He came, He was put in an earthen vessel, and He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way, and the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. God is showing us leprosy is a type of sin, and this ceremony is a picture of how sin is dealt with. What is necessary for the sinner to be clean is Christ came down and He died in our place. He was housed in an earthen vessel. He was wounded and broken and shed His blood. And the Bible says over running water. That is running water, you know, is, is, is telling us it's pure water. It's very interesting to me when the Lord's side was pierced, there came out blood and water. Water. John talks about in 1 John by, he came by water and by blood, telling us his heart was broken. That is the only thing that produces water and blood. The water speaks of the purifying water of God's word. He was birthed in the water of a womb. There's so many symbolic things dealing with the water, but the water and the blood are mentioned here. It's interesting, three things, water, blood, and oil. Uh, the water being the word of God, the blood being the blood of Jesus Christ, the oil, the picture and type of the Holy Spirit of God. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But this bird is killed, it's dead. And they're to take the blood of that bird and that hyssop and they're to take that watery blood and sprinkle it on the living bird. Meaning the living bird is identifying with the dead one. It's a picture of the resurrection. The same one who died in our place, who shed his blood in our place, is no longer dead, but he's living. And one day he ascended back to heaven. You notice what they were to do with the living bird after he sprinkled with the blood and the water? And then he's to take that blood, the priest, and sprinkle it seven times. You help me, you Bible scholar. Seven is the number of? It is God, but of perfection, completion. Meaning, just like John 19 tells us, it is finished. Seven times the blood is sprinkled, showing what was necessary to atone for this. It's finished. And that dead bird, the blood sprinkled on the living, and then the living bird is to be taken out in the field and released. And of course, you know what he did? He flew away. Forty days after our Savior's death, He ascended back to heaven. After coming in an earthen vessel and dying for our sins, He resurrected, ascended back to heaven. It's not only a picture of what Christ did for us, what a portrait of the gospel in these two birds. By the way, there's wood which came from a tree. Amen? I mean, there's so much symbolism there. And the, the, the bitterness, as I would understand, of the hyssop and the bitterness of the cross, and yet giving the freedom that was, that was there, the bird flew away. It also pictures that our old man is crucified with Christ. You realize this man had been a leper. That has become his life, his identity, and what's being stated is, but no more. You're a leper, but that leper is dead, like that bird in that earthen vessel. He's dead. Now go walk in newness of life. That brings us into the next part of the ceremony. We've seen the picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that pictures the new life given to us through that. By the way, read in conjunction with this Romans chapter 6. Okay, so this morning, let me just let me make some application. You may be sitting here this morning, you say, you know what, my heart and my mind are burdened with how filthy of a person I am. May I say this, if you've never come to the point in your days where you've seen yourself as a filthy, spotted leper, stay in the Word of God, it will get you there. We're sinful. Every one of us. I was raised in a good, godly Christian home, but I praise God for uh, uh, working 
circumstances and the preaching of God's Word in my life to where I can say to you with the greatest of sincerity, I do not believe I'm any less sinful than any other human on the face of this earth. Nor do I believe you are. We are by nature children of wrath. That's what Ephesians says. By the way, not some are the children of wrath. All of us were by nature the children of wrath, deserving of God's wrath and judgment. Some of us have had circumstances that stymied things that might have manifest themselves and thank God for it. But at our core, we're filthy and unclean. You may be this morning say, Preacher, I know that. You don't have to stay that way. Faith in the blood of Jesus Christ will clear your conscience of guilt because He has already been duly punished for your sins. Every vile thing that I've done that stymies my conscience has been penalized through the death of Jesus Christ. He died in my place and yours. Hebrews 2, we read it on Thursday night. He tasted death for every man. And so then, the picture in the substitution of the bird that was killed and the bird that released is a picture of the gospel of Christ descending from heaven, dying in our place, and then ascending back to heaven that he might give us life and cleanse us from our sins. Letter B, under the purification, we've seen the picture in the substitution But what's the practical significance? Well, it's seen in what's required of the leper. Do you notice what he has to do? Once that bird is released, he is now going to separate himself from his old life. His entire appearance and identity is going to change. He's going to get a razor. I just wonder, if you've had leprosy, are you tending to yourself every day probably like you would have if you didn't have leprosy? I wonder what these old boys looked like after they got cleansed. Probably not clean. The Bible says he's to shave his hair, he's to shave his eyebrows, he's to shave his beard, meaning if anybody saw him, they would say, who is that? Now, are you with me? He's a new man. He's shaved, he's to take all his clothes, he's to wash himself in water, he's to wash his clothes in water, and still, he's allowed in the camp, but he's not allowed in his tent. You're still not all the way back to the place of fellowship with friends and family, you're still not fully back there in relation to man. Now, you notice the camp doesn't have to do with his relationship with God, does it? The camp has to do with his relationship with men. May I say this? The moment you got, the moment you were born again in God's sight, you're clean. But man needs to see that too. Amen? Well, Pastor man looks on the outward appearance. Yes, he does, and that's how he knows what's going on on the inside of you. Man can't see your heart unless you show it on the outside. There are those who are preaching against living out your Christian faith. Friend, that is, that's not right. It's work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you. God's working in you, so you work out of you what God has done inside of you. The cleansing of this man started on the inside, but boy, does it show up on the outside. He shaves his head, he shaves his eyebrows, he shaves his beard. Let's read it again. It says in verse, uh, verse, Seven, and he shall sprinkle upon him that is to be cleansed from the leprosy seven times and shall pronounce him clean. Ceremonially, by the word of the priest, this man does not have leprosy. said, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field, verse 8, and he that is to be cleansed. So he's still getting ready to have a right relationship with man. He's in a right relationship with God, but he's preparing to have a right relationship with men. And he that is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and wash himself in water that he may be clean. And after that, he shall come into the camp. And shall tarry abroad. So he's in the camp, but he's not at home. Shall tarry abroad out of his tent seven days. 
And it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave all his hair. So seven days are gone by, he's going to shave it again off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. Even all his hair he shall shave off and he shall wash his clothes. Also he shall wash his flesh in water and he shall be clean. Let's just take, for instance, let's say this man has been a leper for five years. And when his wife last saw him, when he left the camp and went out to live with all the other stinky lepers, he had a nice full-grown beard and a good head of hair, a nice strapping uh, health, and he goes away. And one day a bald man walks up to her tent and she says, Who are you? Do you honestly think family and friends will recognize this man? No, I don't think so. He's completely different. He's pure. When he left, he was a leper with spots all over him. But when he's returned, you know what it does to you? You know what else being bald and all that does? It shows... Do you see any leprosy? I've got nothing to hide. You know where you might hide leprosy? Behind a beard. You might hide it behind a head of hair. You might hide it behind some soiled clothing. What he's saying is, my clothes were just washed. I'm clean. Look at me. Do you see anything? I have nothing to hide. I'm a clean man. I'll tell you something, we live in a culture that's constantly hiding filth. We hide it behind religion. We hide it behind our hate for religion. I'm going to tell you something. When God saves your soul, friend, you got nothing to hide. You know what? When you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ, the world may hate it, but you got nothing to hide. The Bible says if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Meaning, because the blood has cleansed us from sin, we, have, we can walk in the light. We don't have to hide behind something. We don't have to pretend on Sunday that we love God and then curse His name other days of the week. No, you can just be the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week, nothing to hide when you're clean. That'll preach. Today, so many are hiding something because we still have leprosy. Let me help you with something this morning. God doesn't want any soul in this room pretending you're saved. He don't want anybody pretending you love God. You need to have had a personal visit with the priest in his word, where his word declares you clean. And then at his word, let his word clean your life up. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? You know what? The leper may not even know what the law says. But if he can hear the priest, he'll know what to do. Right? He comes to the priest and he says... I don't have leprosy anymore. And somebody said, I need to come talk to you. The priest says, yes. He said, I've never met you before. The priest said, well, you have actually five years ago I diagnosed you. Oh, that's right. So let me look at your hands. Yeah, you're clean. Let me look you over. You're right. Praise God. He did a miracle. He cleansed you. You're clean. Now, here's what we're going to do. Bird, bird, ceremony. Leper says, what you doing that for? He says, oh, you, this is what God commanded to be done. It's a picture of what's being done for you. Your leprosy had killed you. You're a dead man. But now God has done a miracle and you have new life. You got your freedom back. You're no longer restricted to live in that old camp with other lepers. You're free to go back and love your wife. You're free to go back and raise your children. You're free to go back and work like a man ought to. You're free to be a functioning citizen because of what God did for you. That's what salvation does. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he tries to become a new creature. Is that what the Bible says? 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When God saves you, He puts His divine nature within you, according to 2 Peter chapter 1. We are partakers of the divine nature through faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning we get, the, we get a new life, a new nature. And then the, the man, the leper, says, what do I do next? He says, well, time for a haircut. man says, I like my hair. doesn't matter. You're now clean. And to show and demonstrate before men what God has done. God already knows you're clean. But men need to see you're clean. This is what God's law requires. Shave your head. Okay. And in seven days, you're going to shave your beard and shave your eyebrows. Do you know how weird I'll look? Free says, you probably don't know how weird you look now. I'll tell you something. God saves you and he's going to start changing you in ways that will make people notice. The leper might be saying, you know what? If I went back to the leper colony right now without leprosy, at least nobody would make fun of me. Don't lose me this morning. Some of you, God's made you clean, but you haven't decided if you still want to live with the old stinky lepers or go back and live like you ought to live. I feel more comfortable. I've been living there for five years. I'm a little more comfortable with my tent there. I still got to wait another se- Look, if the love of God be in this man's heart, he'll do whatever he needs to, won't he? Shave the head, shave the eyebrows. I don't care. I'm just glad to be free. I'm glad to be free. You know what? As a leper, you are not free. You're in bondage. And as a sinner, you're not free. You're not free to function as you should. You're not free to love God and love people. You're bound to live with other sinners and live like other sinners. Until Christ makes you free. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So here this man is told you've got to do all these things. And here's the picture. The old man is being completely done away with. And there's a new man there. And so then, that's the practical significance. Let me read you a few verses, if, if I may. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And then we'll move on. We're talking about his purification. Ephesians chapter 4. This is what the Bible says to the person who's already received salvation. Okay, So many people misunderstand this, and they call it legalism. And they don't understand because many of them are lost. They don't understand when God makes you clean on the inside, you're a new person. And all the trappings that came with your old life, all the things you did because of lust and covetousness and pride and envy and malice, that's gone. And now that's going to have to be reflected. The old things are passed away and all things become new. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentile walks in the vanity of their minds. Meaning, don't follow your own empty thinking. Right? Vain. Verse 18. Having the understanding darkened. Talking about lost people. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. I Me mean, he says, you're distinct. You've met Christ. You've learned Christ. You're not what they are. You're not what you used to be. Verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him. Have you heard the priest say you're clean? If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off the former conversation... The old man. What are we supposed to do with the old man? Defend it. Say, thank God for His grace. I can live like a reprobate, but no, I'm on my way to heaven. No, 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 no. 
is he talking about gaining heaven here or is he talking about people that have already been pronounced clean? We need to be very clear on this. These are people that are already clean. But he said, you still got some of the former conversation on you. Put it off. You have the old clothes. Get them off. You got your old beard and hair and eyebrows. And we're not talking literally, but under the law. It's symbolic. You're putting off what you were known as. Put off former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And do what? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Start thinking the way God wants you to think. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Then he's going to give us some examples. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. So the old, the old leprosy man, lying. The new man, truth. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. And let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So he's talking about put off that old garment. Put off your old conversation and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know what? This is symbolic. He says, look, you got to shave your head, shave your eyebrows, shave your face, change your clothes so that everybody will say, who's that? It's a new man. It's not about impressing men. i got news for you. A bald head without eyebrows and a guy who's had a beard and trimmed it off is not good to look at. But the one thing you know, he's not the man he was. I'm going to ask you something. When was the last time somebody said, what happened to you? If you've lived your life as a vile sinner, you shouldn't have to tell people you got cleansed. They'll know it. Amen. You shouldn't have to explain away your life to defend your profession. No, no, somebody's going to look at you and know, are you, are you the guy that was the leper? I am. Get away from me. Look, I understand you being afraid of being around me. I got it. I know what I was. But look here. What I was is not what I am. You want to look under my eyebrow? There's no beard. I'm hiding. Look at me now. You observe my life. Some people say this. Don't judge me. Do you know what? When Lydia, the seller of purple, got saved, you know what she said? If you have judged me. Meaning you are free to observe my life. Go ahead. And if you, go ahead. Observe my life. My point is this. If we're clean, we're new. We're a new creature. Put off the old, put on the new. There's very clearly the picture painted for us in Leviticus 14. Number three, we've already touched on this. We've seen his presentation, his purification, but then this makes him peculiar now, doesn't it? It deals with his peculiarity. He's going to go through a ceremony here that only one other person in the camp or one of the family would be familiar with. As far as I know, I, I, I didn't, I could search more, but to my understanding, he's going to go through a ceremony of Blood from a lamb being put on his ear, on his thumb, and on his toe. Now, I, I will not be disrespectful, but I know there's been times I've read that in my Bible and be like, that's weird. That you're going to put, and then you're going to top the blood off with a little bit of oil. And then you're going to take the leftover oil and smear it on that bald head. 
Boy, what a character. He's going to come in, got a red dot and a red dot and a red dot and a, and a glowing head. Everybody's going to know he's set apart. He is, what God did for him has been sealed. It's settled. It's done. He's been anointed with the cleansing blood and sealed with that oil. It's been taken care of. He is now officially no longer, it would be a crime to call him a leper. Not a crime in the sense of punishment. It would be wrong. He's not a leper. He's a former leper. <laughs> I hear people say all the time that are saved, well, I'm just a sinner. Actually not, you're a saint. The pastor, that's not true, I'm a sinner. Not if you're born again. You're a saint. So I still wrestle with sin. Well, of course you do. You're still living in a body of flesh. But if the people that were members of the church at Corinth were called saints, and they were, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know why they were called saints? They were pardoned sinners. Let me ask you something. Would it be appropriate for someone who's been charged with murder, taken before a jury, found completely innocent, not guilty, walk out and say, murder? Would that be appropriate? No. But I think he is. Well, that has nothing to do with it. He's been found not guilty. He's exonerated. What about somebody who actually committed the murder but got pardoned? In the, look, forget in the eyes of their neighbors. In the eyes of the court, can they try him as a murderer once he's pardoned? It would be illegal. He is no longer a murderer according to legal documents. He's clear. When you got born again, you're no longer a sinner in God's sight. You are a son. Amen? It does us well to get a hold of this. As long as you convince you're still a sinner, you might think, I'm going to live like one. But if God's word has convinced you that's past, you're now a child of God. You were a leper, but now you're not. You're clean. The blood of the Lamb has been applied to you. The, the seal of the Holy Spirit is in your life. You are a new creature. Don't go back to the leper camp. That's not where you belong. Go to your tent. Amen? May I say this, who he was would determine where he went. May I say this, let's flip the coin very briefly. There are those who cannot stay away from the leper camp. That's where they feel at home. As the sow that is washed from her wallowing, Second Peter says, returns, so does the, the person who's claimed to be saved but is an unregenerate apostate. He cannot and she cannot stay out of the pig pen. You know why? Because their nature's never been changed. So the point we see here this morning, though, is this man's peculiar, and his peculiarity is seen in verse 10 through 20. We won't read it again for time's sake. We need to wrap up this morning. But he was to bring three lambs, the, uh, an atoning price, to show that the price for cleansing is the death of an innocent substitute. Salvation, again, is typified in the death of that lamb. There was one lamb, and then a second, and then a third, and two were for the priest and his family, and they could eat, and the other was a burnt sacrifice, but all... As an atonement, not because the man had sinned, that's what made him a leper, but because leprosy is a type of sin and a defiling agent in the life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But here's the unique part, and this is what I want to emphasize as we close. As that lamb died and then a, th a second lamb and a third, the priest was supposed to take of that blood from that lamb and anoint his right ear his right thumb, and the great toe on his right foot. Now, this is only done, as far as I know, in only one of the places when the priests, Aaron and his sons, were set apart for the priesthood. They would take the blood of the bullock that was offered and anoint the right ear, 
the right thumb and the great toe on the right foot to say, these men are set apart by the blood unto service for God. Only, only Aaron and his family could, could associate with what this cleansed leper went through. Meaning this ceremony was about setting someone apart for God's service because of God's selection in their life. Meaning this cleansed leper is getting treated just like one of Aaron's sons. He's getting the exact same anointing. Do you realize through the blood of Jesus Christ, Revelation 1.5 says he's washed us from our sins in his blood and he's made us unto him kings and priests. You say, why the ear? Why the thumb? And why the toe? By the way, which side of the body did God say? Right side always speaks of what? Strength. Jesus is sometimes referred to as the right arm of the Lord. He is seated at the, the right hand of the Father. Say, so, well, I'm left-handed. Well, you're unique, amen? We love you. We have a lot of left-handed people in this, this room. But that's not typically most people are right-handed. If you are right-handed, your right hand is your what hand? Strong hand. I'm not boxing anybody left-handed. I'll do bad enough right-handed, but especially not left-handed. I'm not going to bat for baseball left-handed. I'm not golfing left-handed. My strength is in my right hand. You know what? The right ear, all the right, 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 right. And the fact that he says your thumb, one of your strongest digits, your great toe, it's the biggest one on your foot. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, soul, mind, and strength. God says, first of all, I want your ear. You were a leper and now you're not. Now, by the way, was he getting anointing so that the leprosy would go away or because it had already been taken away? This whole ceremony was after his cleansing, but it's to declare him clean. You know what? The blood has purchased your ear. The blood has purchased your hand for labor. The ear for listening, the hand for labor, and the feet for going where I tell you to go. The Bible says that we are purchased. You know what? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I appreciate your attention, but we need to read this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19, speaking to the believer in Jesus Christ, who was a leper but has now been made clean. What? Question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. What was the price that bought us? The blood of Jesus Christ. You're bought with a price. Therefore, because you're bought, because you're not your own, Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. May I say this? The sad mantra of many who've murdered their babies, my body, my choice. And the sad mantra of many a Christian who won't submit to God's word, my body, my choice. God's body, his choice. I can't go here, his body, his choice. He bought it with his blood. Because I'm bought with the blood, he ought to have my ear, shouldn't he? And shouldn't he have my... How many of you know you can listen slack and you can listen diligently? Oh, yes. He needs to have my right ear. When God speaks, speak, Lord, like Samuel, thy servant heareth. He ought to have my hand. Hands are made for work. I shouldn't be a slacker in God's service. I shouldn't be a slacker in his harvest field. My hands ought to be busy giving to God's people, giving out the word of God, laboring in the harvest field. 
My feet ought to be busy, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking my feet where God wants them to go. Because why? It's been bought with the blood. And this morning, you said, it doesn't resonate with me at all. And one of two things is needed for you. You need to wake from sleep as a Christian. Get out of your slumber and serve the one who bought you with his blood. If the shed blood of Jesus Christ means nothing in a practical application, you need one of two things, revival or regeneration. You're either lost without God or you need the Lord to remind you that he died for you and if it weren't for him, you'd be in hell today. Friend, we need a reminder this morning, the only reason you and I are not consumed is because God in mercy sent His Son into this world. And you know and I know this morning, if we truly believe God, the only reason I'm not doomed for hell is because of the shed blood of Christ. Doesn't He deserve to have my ear moment by moment, not just in the morning when I roll out of the bed, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, I'd be living in a wretched old leper colony. But I'm not! I'm different! I want to serve God today. No one's dragging me by my ear. No, no one's saying, you have to. No, let's be like the eunuch. What does hinder me? Amen? This morning, Christ has bought our ear with His blood. He's bought our great thumb with His blood to serve with strength in His work. He's bought our feet with His blood. That has sealed the cleansing that that took place for us because on top of the blood was put what? Oil. Oil is is throughout Scripture a picture and type of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's read a couple of Scriptures in closing. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You know what a seal is? It's a mark placed on you for good. For those who are of the persuasion that you can have your salvation and lose it and have it and lose it, there's a, there's a great either misunderstanding or unbelief there. Because the Bible says we're sealed by the Spirit to the day of redemption. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. And it tells us how long? Unto the day of redemption. First John 2, 20, speaking to believers, says, But ye have an unction, that means an anointing, a smearing on of oil. <laughs> You have an unction from the Holy One that's capitalized, capital H and capital O. And you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. When you got saved, God gave you His Holy Spirit. When you came to personal faith in Jesus Christ, He gave you His Holy Spirit. He sealed what He did for you with His blood. What He did for you with His blood is sealed or guaranteed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. On the cross, He bought you when you put your faith in in Him and what He did for you on the cross, that's your purchase price. But you know what? He gave you the Holy Spirit to seal it in place so that this morning we are bought with a price. What did He say? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Before you open your ear to something, remember that's the Holy Ghost's ear. Before you do something with your hand, remember that belongs to Him. You know why there's such a grief inside of many a child of God today? And I'm talking about truly saved people. In trying to please themselves, they're constantly making one living inside of them unhappy. Let me ask you this. Anybody that's been in a bad marriage, and I I feel great sorrow for anybody that has, you have two people in one home trying to live together, and what this one does is always making this one upset. And what this one does is always making this one upset. Is that going to be a happy home? Some of you, that's your body. I'm not accusing, just we're human here this morning. Some of you, that's your body. You have the Holy Spirit of God saying, 
I want you to live to please Christ. And your body's saying, but I want to live to please me. And so you do what pleases your body and it makes the Holy Spirit very upset. Oh, he'll go quiet on you. How many of you ever had a wife go quiet on you? I'd rather shout at me. Amen. <laughs> silence is brutal. And I'm not, I don't have a wife that uses silence to be brutal. Let me be very clear. There's sometimes she doesn't know what to say because what I'm saying isn't right. And that silence speaks. Now let's compare that to the Holy Spirit. When you grieve him, you know what he does? He'll quit talking to you. Who did King Saul? King Saul begged God to talk to him, and God said, no. You wouldn't listen to me? I'm not listening to you. I'm not suggesting you lose the Holy Spirit. You cannot if you're saved, but you can grieve him and quench him. Now today, if you're here and you say, you know what? We're in one one of a couple of places. We are either still living in a leper colony because we still have leprosy. You're still a sinner in your sins. If you die that way, you'll perish. Amen? That's true. But Christ died to set you free. He has the power to cleanse you. He can change you from a leper into clean in a moment of time. Mark chapter 1 proves it. You may have the disease of sin in your life. You say, I've fought it. I've tried. I still am a wretched sinner. Why don't you just call on the Lord Jesus Christ and let him do the saving? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because he's the Savior, not you. Now you say, no, I've done that. He's done what he promised. He saved me. Maybe he's saying, but I want to change you. The Lord, people will notice. You better believe they'll notice. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When Christ has cleansed you, yes, they'll notice. And then you can say, let me tell you about how I was filthy and now I'm clean. Let me tell you who can clean you up. Amen. I just agree we live in a filthy world. There's only one person can clean the sinner and clean the world, and that's Christ Jesus. And today, nothing better than a transformed life to testify of a cleansing, saving Savior. Have we been through this today, through the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, realizing that's the price for our cleansing? Today, then, you know what? He's called us to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works, a people marked by His ownership and rule in our lives. Mm-hmm.